looks it up, and he was comparing himself with the brazen serpent. And the, the story goes back in the Old Testament. It was when uh, the Israelites were complaining, yeah. and the and God sent in fiery serpents, and it was serpents that bit you, and it felt like fire when they bit you, and they were going to die when they got bit by that by a serpent, and they were dying. And uh, Moses asked what to do, and and God said to make this brazen serpent and put it up on a pole, and that if somebody would look at the brazen serpent, that they would not die. And uh, Jesus was comparing himself with that serpent. The um, the reason he was comparing himself with that serpent was because um, we have this uh, poison in us, and we're going to die. And Jesus said, just look at the cross. Just look at me. And it's not something that uh, any merit on my part in order to look at Jesus on the cross and trust in him for what he's done for me. It's all on his merit. Everything that he, it's, it's what he did. It's not what I did. And it's just me trusting that uh, and turning to him and looking to him uh, to keep me from dying. going to pray. Father, I thank you for this day, O oh Lord. Thank you for protecting us and guiding us, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity to learn from your word and preach about the cross and preach about what it means to this generation, Father. But Lord, I come to you not as someone great or wonderful or amazing, but I come as a servant saying, Lord, I need you to help me because I can't do it on my own. I can sound nice to people, but I need, I can't bring in the presence of God by myself, but I need you to come down right now for us to, for me to be led by you and for the other preachers, oh God. Just let us be led by you, Lord, and for us to teach the people something new, O oh God. I worship you, Heavenly Father, and I glorify your holy name. I ask you this, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the title of my message is God, saying, with relation to the cross, I say is, he's the nullifier of our pain. So if you if have your Bibles, can you turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 24? Acts chapter 2, and verse 24. kind of cool i saw this first when i was reading my bible during this week so i thought it was really interesting how it kind of re- related so acts chapter 2 verse 23 to 24 and it says he being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of god you've taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom god had raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holding of him so in my introduction is that people of this world have no need for god that's obvious we, we see it all the time People just blaspheme the name of God, mock God. They don't think that they need God. The thing, the problem with that is that deep inside, they know that they are broken, they are sad, that they need God. They have so much pain that they don't realize we actually need a Savior. The thing is that they don't understand the power of the cross. They understand that that emptiness that they feel inside, the pain that they feel, that can only be nullified by because of the cross. It can only be broken and 
given life to them only by Christ. And things as they need their pain to be loosened. My first point, and my last point, <laughs> is that the pain of death is loose. In the same verse, in verse 24 again, whom God had raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding up. It wasn't, a possi- it wasn't going to be possible for Jesus to be laid in the ground and for him just to stay there. Because he was not like us. See, myself, I'm a human being. I'm a good-looking human being. But I'm a human being. I'm a human being. And if I die, I'm dead. I'm not going to raise, I'm not going to open my coffin and say, oh, hi, mom. And come out of the coffin. I'm dead. But Jesus was not like that. You see, Jesus suffered and died and rose again. Amen. See, that cross is not something we just wear. It's something that represents power. It represents life that he was given to us undeservingly. You see, John 19.30, you don't have to turn there. It says, it is finished. You see, the pain that people go through, the suffering that they go through, Jesus died for that. He died for our sin. When he screamed, it is finished! It meant your sin, the pay, the, the debt that needs to be paid was paid. It didn't have to, you didn't have to do anything. I don't have to be nice to pastor and nice to my mother and nice to Jennifer. And then I'll say, hey Lord, I've done good, right? I, I've helped the poor. I've helped those who are in need. I'm okay. I don't have to do that. Because people don't realize that without, I don't have to do anything to obtain the salvation of Christ. That it's a free gift that's been, that's been given to me. But you know, when Jesus said those words, he meant not just our sin death, but our pain, our tears, our sadness. It was finished. It was going to be taken away from us. You see, when he was on that cross, he didn't just suffer because, hey, let's just do it for fun. He died and rose again so I could have life. I don't deserve life. I don't deserve anything. I mean, I don't even deserve to be breathing right now. I don't even deserve to be preaching right now. I don't deserve anything. But it was given to me undeservingly. Bible says in Romans 5 but God commanded his love toward us that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh no. <laughs> but see, this world needs to know about the God of the cross who wipes away our tears. In Revelation 21, 4, it says that Christ, that God will wipe away all their tears from their eyes. See, if we tell the people of this world that they need Christ, that they need to put their trust in Jesus, and that's what they need, and we tell them that Christ can wipe away their tears, and they know that, and we show them through our lives, that we love God. He will, and then they see that. They will choose Christ. And their pain will be nullified. But see, in conclusion, is that all I want us to do as a church, as Christians, is to go and tell people about Christ. Tell them that God can fix their broken and contrite heart. They don't have to lay, remain in their brokenness and their sadness and their hatred. Because you know, I'm a person that God changed. That I used to be sad, angry, bitter, full of hate. <laughs> but I'm smiling because of Christ. Not because of myself, not because I could do anything, but because of Jesus, I am changed. And you know, all we have to do is just to look at Christ and give him, give him our problems and give him our pain. And it's laid on Christ. The Bible says, cast it on our care and name because they care for us. So I'm going to finish and pray. Father God, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for this time to preach. Lord. I thank you for what you did on the cross. I thank you that you took away our pain and our sorrow. And I just worship you for that, Lord. And I thank you that I can just put my trust in that and I am saved, Father God. I just thank you for tonight, Lord, and I glorify your holy name. Ask this, O God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So just about the cross, so uh, 
So the the cross was necessary in order for people to get saved. Hebrews 9.22 So... And right, okay. it says, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. So uh, when Jesus died on the cross, his blood was shed. Um, if he didn't die on the cross, we would we would be still under the Jewish Jewish law. So uh, thankfully, that everything that was that needed to be done for God to save us was done by Jesus on the cross. John 19.30 When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar he said it is finished and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost so uh, uh, Jesus didn't say it is almost finished, or you will help me to finish. Uh, yeah. Because he said, it is finished, then salvation is all done. Uh, most religions are all about doing enough to get saved. But we believe that everything is already done, and there is nothing left for us to do except believe. Um, the cross is God's mercy to us, uh, Romans 5 eight. says, uh, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So uh, even though God knows that we are sinners, he still sent his son to die on the cross so we can get saved. It shows that God loves us and wants to see us in heaven. I don't know if you realize it or not, but this is exactly what Paul meant when he said these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Christ sent me not to baptize. I mean, that's that's religious and that's ceremonial and that's got lots of, of meaning to a lot of people. But it's the wrong meaning. Now, you've got to get baptized when you get saved. That's no problem. But Paul said, Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words. Not because somebody come up here, and I'm not looking for anybody to come up here and perform for us. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. See, when somebody comes up here and, and, and reads their notes and doesn't, doesn't you know, uh, uh, act like anybody else, it's the preaching of the cross that makes a difference. Listen to this. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, they're going to laugh at it. It's foolishness. But to us which are saved... We say amen. Amen. Enjoy tonight. Enjoy tonight. Who else is going to preach? All right, here comes comes Dennis the Menace. Amen. We sometimes can be troubled about things we have to do up ahead. A chore that may take a bit of sacrifice. But how troubled, I wonder, was the mind of the man Christ Jesus about the level of brutality that he was appointed to take upon himself for our sakes. Uh, an old preacher once imagined Jesus after a hard day's work of carpentry 
stretching his arms out, outward to relieve his tired muscles, only to see his shadow on the wall to remind him of what his last work on earth would be. Uh, I wonder were these the times when he made his strong cries to the Father. I'm sure in these afflictions he sought and found comfort because the Father never left him. How often must Jesus have imagined the nature of the executioner as he nailed wood together to farm boxes and such things? How strong were his cries at times when he knew that his fellowship with the Father, a fellowship that was from everlasting, was to be removed as he hung on the cross? Uh, how tempting it must have been for the man Christ Jesus to have satisfied his at the point of dying hunger to command the stones to be made bread but his righteousness to deliver us from so great a death refused to surrender under Satan's temptation. He kept himself unspotted from the world to be the unblemished Lamb of God, to be an acceptable sacrifice to forgive and redeem by his blood sinners like you and me. (coughs) At Calvary there is a great contrast to behold. There we see the nature of us sinful men murderously hating the Son of God and the nature of the sinless Son of God compassionately loving us sinful men. We cried crucify him and he cried forgive them for they know not what they do. Uh, The depth of man's love which in contrast to God's is as vile as a rotten vegetable could ever dream up the story of the cross. Only God's will could bring to pass such a glorious sacrifice. Um, After he took the punishment for our sins what a joy and a triumph and a comfort it is for us to see our saviour blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. That's Colossians 2.14, by the way. I didn't make that up. (laughs) Uh, To see the Ten Commandments nailed to the cross is to hear Jesus' voice cry, It is finished. It shows me my sins have been dealt with, that God's demand for justice has been satisfied. It is the New Testament promise that forgiveness... And salvation can be obtained by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. To go to hell for someone else's sins, it puts a different perspective on it. And you realize that that what is what Christ did for us. He suffered the wrath of God. He was accursed of God. Because Paul also said that he bore the curse for us because it's written that curse is everyone hanging up on a tree. That was the law talking about the gallows. The cross is a gallows. I don't know if you really think about that. It help us, helps us, like Paul said, helps us understand what Christ's desire was, what he meant when, what he meant when he said it is finished, what he meant by it. Uh, Kevin, one of them. 
Revelation chapter 6. <laughs> Just the scripture. Verse 14. The Bible says, For God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, yeah. by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. If you think about that scripture, you know, the cross is a symbol of victory. Yeah. Amen? Victory. It's also a symbol of our faith, the cross, but it's also a symbol of death. Mm. And that's part where we're missing today. You know, the, the last generation understood that. And my fear is the next generation do not understand that. Right. Because the cross is a symbol. And every one of us that's been born again has experienced a new life. We've experienced Christ in us. But there's more to it than that. Because most Christians settle for just salvation. But they don't, se- they don't settle for sanctification. Where you can allow yourself, every sin that you're faced with can be nailed to that cross. And you can have not just the victory, but you can, just like Paul say... Uh, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. And that become a reality. You know, Paul's only glory was, or Paul's boast, wasn't his religious uh, background. He said, I count that but dumb that I might, might win Christ. But Paul's boast was the cross. And the reason why it was his boast is because that's where the victory was. That's where he experienced the new life blossoming inside of him. And I think that's what's missing today. Yes, uh, going back to the cross and putting our sin on that cross and say, it's, it's nailed to the cross, just like the ordinances. It's nailed there. And that's where the victory is. And that's why the, this verse is so, so appropriate and so meaningful to me because that's what the, the, the full extent of the cross is. Amen. Amen. When Darren came up, he uh, he started speaking about what happened back there in Numbers chapter 21, and it, it says here, And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And um, that was the curse that God had put upon the Israelites for their murmuring and complaining. And uh, he said, make a fiery serpent and put it on a, on a, up on a pole. And all they had to do was look. And if they had faith to look up there at that fiery serpent, they could be healed. And you go, you come all the way over into Galatians, and his son started to talk about that. In verse 10, Galatians 3.10 says, For as many as are of the works of the law under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So, you know, if you offended one point of the law, people today are still trying to keep the law. They're trying to be good people and go to heaven because they're good enough. But if you offended one point, you are guilty of the whole law. You've offended in every point. Verse 11 says, But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Because what we do is look to the cross. Look at the verses after that. The law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. So there he was, hanging there, a curse. It is finished. Sin was finished, but also the curse of the law, that we couldn't keep it. The law was good. The law was perfect and holy. 
but it could not save you because we are not good enough to keep the law. But let me give you some good news. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you look by faith to the cross, you can be saved. You can be healed. The curse can be removed. Revelation 22. If you turn there, Revelation chapter 22. All the curse hasn't been removed yet. Creation still groaneth and travail, waiting for the day when there's a new heaven and a new earth. And yes, people still today dealing with this sin problem. But thank God, if you've been saved, if you look by faith to the cross, that has been dealt with. Chapter 22 and verse 1, And He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which was twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse. Amen? But the throne of God and the Lamb of God shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. Amen. There's going to come a day when there's no curse. It's all going to be wiped away. anything but in in teens in our teen class on a Saturday night we're going through the life of Christ and we're we're trying to take every step um, in order we're we're going through a, a harmony of the gospels to do that and just follow his life from and we started from his ministry and um, working through his every day as the Bible spells it out and obviously we're working our way towards the cross the teens have learned a lot of things and um, Jesus had some really busy days where from the moment he got up, he's actually walking somewhere to do something, and people are stopping him along the way. He's healing people. He's he's doing really amazing things. And maybe when, like for the centurion, he doesn't even have to go to his house. You know, he's on his way, but he says, "Just say the word, and uh, I know he'll be healed." And he goes off and does something else. But um, the thing that struck me when people are mentioning the cross is that um, Jesus could have come and he could have done a lot of amazing things. He could have healed people, raised people from the dead. Um, for the want of a better example. But if he didn't go to the cross, it, nothing would have been accomplished, if you know what I mean by that. God is God and God is on the throne. But um, <clears throat> we're all part of Adam, and in Adam, um, all, all die. For, um, and the Bible says it's appointed to a man once to die, and after this, the judgment. And it's really, that's where we get the, the crux of the matter. You know, we, get, we get that word crux, because... Um, uh, you know, Jesus could have come and then he could have gone back to heaven and it wouldn't have done mankind any good, if you know what I mean by that. Um, we wouldn't have, um, he wouldn't have met our greatest need. And, and that's really why Jesus came. We celebrate Christmas and we're glad that the, the word of God was made flesh and dwelt among us. But if, if it didn't go all the way to the cross, then Jesus would have never been able to defeat death and rise again and he wouldn't have been able to prepare a place for us. So when he would come back for us, that he could take us there because our sin wouldn't have been wiped away and we would still be sinful. So that's something that just struck me when people were preaching here and we're going through the life of Christ. And we are amazed at the things he does and we're glad for the example that Christ gives us, how he, we don't, like someone mentioned the verse there, we live not by our own faith, we live by the faith of the Son of God. But we're just glad for the fact that Jesus went to the cross and it's been said many times tonight that 
it's now finished. And also in Hebrews it says that that is once for all. He just he went to the cross and he doesn't need to do it again. I grew up in a Catholic um, background and um, they sacrifice and they partake in the Lord's body uh, week in, week out, sometimes daily. Um, if you go back into the past um, where my granny or she went to church every day, went to Mass. But um, the cross is, is done once and Christ doesn't need to suffer again. And now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Um, so that was just a thought that I had for him. Um, and if you finish off from Romans or whatever, in Christ, if you trust in him and not just believe that he went to a cross just as a man or you know any of those kind of things, but if you trust in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and that the cross is the answer for your cleansing, that his blood that was shed can cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's the reason for the cross, and that's the thing you need to trust in um, for, for your salvation, not just to acknowledge that Jesus Christ came to the earth, but that he accomplished that which he set forth to do. Um, and that's the cross. Amen. John some of the thunder. But that's okay. Old age. Okay. For the preaching of, uh, it's 1 Corinthians uh, one eighteen. For the preaching of the cross to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Yeah. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when he said, I am the way, there is only one way of salvation, and that's by way of the cross. There's no other way. He had to be lifted up onto that cross. And as John had said, it's for all our sin that was put on him on the cross. And I was thinking about being on the cross and all the sin. There is no sin that he did not die for. All of us and all of the people out of there, whatever the sin is, he paid the price for that sin. Whether someone's a murderer, someone's a sex crime, God on the cross has actually paid the price for that sin. He said, um, I am the way, the truth. Well, don't let anyone fool you. There's only one way, and it's by the cross. That's what the truth is. The truth tells us it's by Christ being lifted up. I loved your thought about the very serpent. When it bit him, it was the poison. But I liked the part when you said it was the poison in us. That's the sin in us. For all of sin, every single person that has been born, that is alive and ever will be born, all have sin. And the beauty of it was when he hung on that cross, all of that sin was put on him. Every single sin that anyone can think or imagine, it was all in Christ and he paid the price. And again, with that thought of the poison that was in us, it said, uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Just like the Israelites, when they were bitten by the serpent, they were to look at the serpent on a stick that was lifted up and they had to look up to that serpent and by faith, then they would live. And it was the same with Jesus. He said, for I am the way, the truth, and the life. So whoever looks at the cross, when it's lifted up, he's up there, that takes your gaze, your direction. It's only one direction, it's by him. And by having faith in Jesus Christ, that he has paid the price for all of your sin, then there is life, and there's only life in Jesus Christ. Amen.
I'll just uh, share just a simple thought that um, as just hearing the preaching tonight, um, you know, the whole reason why Jesus Christ went to the cross was because it was prophesied. He had to die on the cross. And when it was prophesied, the crucifixion wasn't even around. It was a form of, of death penalty that no one could even understand when, when that scripture was written and he was seeing it. To him, it was so barbaric. To him, it was something that, how could they do this? And um, later, when the, the Romans came into power, they perfected the crucifixion. And, um, you know, and it's, and it's funny, when I was lost, and I knew that the, the cross was a, was a, was a symbol of, of death, and, and it just kind of amazed me that, that people would, you know, want to wear jewelry, you know, as pictures of, of a death instrument. You know, I mean, you don't see people, you know, wearing uh, pictures of electric chairs and, you know, things like that. And so when I was, and when I saw that, I said, why, what's the point of why these Christians wearing this, this instrument? And, um, and when I began to understand the gospel, when I began to understand exactly what Christ did for me, and when I began to understand the cross, I realized that when... Jesus on that cross, yes, he paid the penalty for my sin. But he also purchased my forgiveness. But here's the thing. He bought it. He purchased it. But it isn't until I receive it that it does any good to me. You see, I mean, yes, he, he paid the, 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 the sin penalty the, um, of the whole entire world. From the time that he was, that he was crucified until... Today and the time he comes back when he returns. But he died specifically for my sin. Every single sin that I was going to commit. Everything that I can't even fathom of doing. Yet he still purchased that. But it wasn't until I received that forgiveness that it was applied to my account. You see, you know, if you... Go back to, if you turn real quick to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. I mean, you know, we can quote it by memory. But I just wanted you to look at this tonight. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, Amen. not of works, lest any man should, post, should boast. Jesus on the cross, he purchased that gift. Thank God. But it is a gift that God has given to every single one of us. But here's the biggest thing. God is offering it to us freely. He's saying, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yes. He wants every person to be saved. But it's up to them whether or not they want to take that gift. Now, today we kind of had a surprise birthday party for Barry. And, um, you know, and, and just kind of trying to love on him. And he received some gifts today from people just, to, just to, as an encouragement. But had they bought that gift and said, here, Barry, here's a gift for you. He actually had to take it, though, before it became his. You know, he just said, oh, no, I don't want it. It's, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to take that today. And he, the person would have had to take it back. 
God had purchased our salvation. But it's up to us whether or not we want to. And there's a whole world out there that says, you know what? I'm not good enough for it. It doesn't matter. Because you love me so much that it doesn't matter who you are. It is for you. All you have to do is say, I will take it. Anybody else? Joshua. Hold on to your hats. Amen. Testimonial, and because like um, the way I got turned to Christ was really was through other people's testimonies, like slowly gathering and kind of like working in my life, really. So yeah, uh, pretty much, uh, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents tried to teach me uh, Christian values ever since I, we were little. Uh, we were always brought over to church every Sunday. Sometimes I had to be literally dragged out of bed to take a shower and go to the church. But yeah. I was um, considered a good, a good guy amongst my friends, amongst my classmates, and amongst my teachers. I was pretty much a suck-up <laughs> to my teachers, really. I was teacher's pet. So, but, um, but my point is, even though I had a lot of good works, like things were good, but they weren't really because I didn't really have any faith. Like I knew how to get saved. I knew what was needed to get saved, but I never took that step. And it was, um, I think I was around 17 here in Ireland after hearing a lot of preaching, a lot of testimonies from people and how God has worked in their lives. That I kind of like snapped, clicked, clicked in my head like a, a joke that you suddenly got. But this was no joke. I knew I was going to hell. And I knew what to do. So what I did was uh, during, the, during the night when I was on my own, I started praying to God. And there I got saved. But after that, I knew I was saved. Um, I, I knew that God forgave me, but somewhere, somewhere in my head, I, I, I knew that God died for my sins. Like, but for some reason, I, I'm, the, I'm, I'm the type to be critical about myself, so all the wrongdoings I did, I was, I was really like punishing myself about them. I was like, I, I over and over again, I thought to myself that I didn't deserve this forgiveness. Why would someone die for me after, after all the things I've done to people? Not just once, repeatedly, in fact. Like, I've lied a lot. I've stolen from people. And I've cheated, cheated a lot in a lot of things. I struggled with that. And it was through some preaching that, again, it finally just clicked to me that God is good. You can lay all your worries onto him. And you can just rely on him to be able to forgive you no matter what wrongdoing you have. And that that kind of comforted me. And from then on, I've, I've been saved. Well done. I like that. All right. <clears throat> I'm going to close this out. But I was sitting there this afternoon listening to a song. Mona knows I was listening to it. And I said, we're going to have to endure it. Enjoy it. It's called Cling to the Cross. And and uh, didn't get to practice with my wife, so I'll sing it alone. But we're going to practice this because it is so good. <clears throat> Sometimes I feel the Lord and the ones that I love the most. 
My prayer and confession goes on, but the winds that accuse me still blow. In the midst of the storms of guilt and regret, when I know I'm forgiven but don't feel it yet, I will cling to the cross, hold to that hill, trust in the truth that he forgives still. It's my shelter from shame, though I can't explain how such gain can come from such loss. I will cling to, cling to the cross. You think my heart would run from the scene of disgrace and death. But there's an attraction so strong to the suffering I'll never forget. What the world may despise or see as defeat is the symbol of victory I'll never leave. I will cling to the cross, hold to that hill, trust in the truth that he forgives still. It's my shelter from shame. Though I can't explain how such gain can come from such loss, I will cling to, cling to the cross. It's here I am covered by mercy and grace. Till my trophies at last I lay down, I will sing. I will sing, I will cling to the cross, hold to that hill, trust in the truth that he forgives still. It's my shelter from shame, though I can't explain how such gain can come from such loss. I will cling to, cling to the old rugged cross. And exchange it someday for a crown. I will cling to, cling to the cross. Amen. <laughs> All right, I got five minutes. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, and we will be through. It's been good, amen? Enjoyed every single one of them. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14. Why the cross means so much to me. Now, the cross means a lot of things to different people. Some people think it's a good luck charm. Some people think it's a religious relic. Some people think it uh, is um, something you wear as a tattoo, you know. It's a, but, you know, the cross is not a thing. It's an event. And that event does something marvelous. For some people, not everybody, but it sure affects some of us. Amen. First of all, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14. But God forbid, as, as my brother Kevin said, but God forbid, one of the strongest phrases in the Bible. We'd say, no way, Jose. It's, it's, don't even think about it, Paul says. That I should glory, that I should get excited, that I should rejoice, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I under the world. 
Now, I don't know about you, but why the cross means so much to me. First of all, it ruined everything for me. That's, the cross is the opposite of everything I looked forward to, everything I looked for in religion, of everything I looked for in, in my life. The cross was the opposite. And before it could rebuild and, and change my life, it had to break it. It had to ruin it. It killed the world to me. When you hear the, claw, the cross presented, when you find out what Jesus endured and what, what religious people did to Jesus Christ, it ruins you. You sit back and you go, the best people killed the Son of God. That's what we do. It ruined the world to me. It destroyed it. It unplugged it. Everybody's sitting down in front of the television. Just walk over there and unplug it. See how they react. That's what the cross did to me. It unplugged the world. It doesn't have its lights anymore. It doesn't have the thrill anymore. The world, the flesh, the devil just doesn't attract me like it used to. Amen. The cross did that. And then the second thing it did made me worthless to the world. I didn't have to get rid of my friends. My friends got rid of me when I got saved. Amen. The cross ruined me. Amen. But then secondly... That was where I learned the love of God. You see, the cross means so much to me because it was there that I learned the love of God. You're in Galatians. Go back to chapter 2 and verse 20. Evidently, I'm worth everything to God. I may not be worth much to anybody else, but to him, I'm worth absolutely the world. Galatians 2.20 says, Paul talking, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who what? Who loved me, and then he proved it when he gave himself for me. The wrath of God that I deserved has already been presented, was poured out without measure. It was directed at Craig Ledbetter, but instead of Craig Ledbetter receiving it, the Son of God stood between me and God and took it on him. That's love. <clears throat> no greater love than when a man lays down his life for someone he calls a friend when that friend has been nothing but an enemy. How could God call me a friend when all I ever did was shake my fist at him? All I ever did was blame him and curse him. All I ever did was ignore him. And yet he said, greater love is no man than this than a man lay down his life for his friends? Be considered a friend? I'm no friend to God. That's love. That's love. The cross teaches me about the love. Second, thirdly, it gave me a new life. It ruined my old life. Amen? <laughs> the old life ruined, man. I, I tell you what, after I got saved, I remember when I uh, uh, started going around to my friends and, and I'd say, why don't you come to church? And they were gone. It's like weird. Man. You gotta come hear this preacher. Man, we had somebody preach against rock music. You wouldn't believe it. How much stuff is in rock music? I never paid attention to the words. And they were gone. Ruined my life, man. <laughs> Amen. But he gave me a new life, new music, new friends, man. You know what religion does? It takes the old you and just patches it up and, and makes you feel better about yourself. Just gives you more of the same, but not Jesus Christ. The life which I now live, I live no longer, not even by my own faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live a different life, the life of Christ in me. You know what I've got right now? I've got his life. I've got his peace. I got his joy. I got his purpose. All because of the cross. Number four, it gave me more than life. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 29. 
gave me more than life. As Kevin was, you, Kevin, Kevin, you were just right down my message. Amen. Um, uh, don't stop with just getting saved. He gave you more than just eternal life. First Corinthians chapter, was that you, Andrew, who said this? I don't know who I'm, there's so many good preaching here. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him. Ye are in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us now, what has he given us? Wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Hey, what was meant to be a place of torture and death became a gateway to eternal life and wisdom. You know, uh, uh, I, uh, I I love science. I love astronomy. I love learning things and, and uh, biology and chemistry and all that stuff. All that is absolutely fantastic. But I never, I never discovered. I've never experienced, never studied, never learned anything greater than what happened at the cross. That is the wisdom of God. The world thinks it's crazy, but I think it's the craziest thing ever. The best thing ever. Christ has become the wisest person to to, to follow. His teachings are are mind-blowing. His life is fantastic. Greater than all the logic and the philosophies and the wisdom of the world, God gave us. Righteousness? You know what kind of righteousness I have? Not my own anymore. I have perfect righteousness given to me. Not that I live righteously, but on God's record book, it says, Great Ledbetter, he I don't just have eternal life. I have righteousness. I've been justified, pardoned, forgiven, sanctified. Think about it. Sanctification, God gave you sanctification through Jesus Christ. That means you are clean through and through. You see, I'm struggling with temptation. Yeah, you'll struggle till the day you die, but you have the victory. You have the victory. And then redemption. You don't have to worry about, well, I don't know if I'm living right. I don't know if I've prayed right. I don't know if I've done right. I don't know if I've stayed right. Redemption's been paid for in full. You're going home. You'll be with Jesus. Amen. Now, if you, if you continue to play around with sin, you may go home early. <laughs> but you're going home. Amen. He is redemption made under. The cross gave me everything that I live, that I enjoy, and I have now and forever. And it's all I need to focus on now. Look at chapter 2, verse 2. Paul says, he's 25 years saved at this point, and he says, for I determined not to know anything among you. As he preached, he says, the only thing I want to experience and enjoy among you is Jesus Christ and him what? That's all I want to focus on. Amen. God save us from focusing only on the music and focusing only on the food and the fellowship and, and, and all the things we do and focusing on all the great doctrines we learn. There are some great doctrines. Focus on the cross. Hey, what, what, what thrills us? The cross. Father, bless all that we've learned tonight. As we go home, don't let us forget about the cross. May it thrill and bless every one of us more than ever because of tonight. And let somebody look into their heart and say, you know what, I've been trusting my good works, I've been trusting my priest, I've been trusting my church, I've been trusting my own understanding. I'll end up in hell. Maybe somebody needs to say, i got to trust Jesus Christ. If he died on that cross for the likes of me, why would I think I could figure a better way? Why would I try to have a better faith? Why would I try to do a better work than just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? To get saved, all you got to do is admit you're lost. 
So you're born again. All you got to do is say that you don't have it now and that you want the new life that Christ purchased. Somebody needs to get saved in here tonight. Lord, would you please convict their heart, let them realize they came here for this purpose, for this message. May they be born again, crying out desperately, not because they're good enough, not because anything except the wrath of God is coming. And if the wrath has not been taken by Jesus Christ, but it's going to be poured out on them, all they have to do is cry out to Jesus Christ and let him save them, ask him to save them. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus will. It says, when they come to me, I will in no wise cast out. I will not throw you away. We bless every Christian what we've heard tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.